1: And we're going to talk about an undefeated Notre Dame football team that just continues to find ways to win ball games right now. 4-0 going into the matchup with number 8 Cincinnati Saturday at 2.30 right here on WSBT Radio. Brian, you're an old quarterback, so I'm going to ask you a bunch of quarterback questions here, so this is right into your wheelhouse. First off, I've spent a lot of time talking to you about this Notre Dame football team the last year and a half or so. And you are always very high on Drew Pine, who is number two on the depth chart, even though Tyler Buckner got playing time against Toledo and Purdue. On the depth chart, he's number three. Pine is number two. He got his chance to shine in a 10 10 game at Soldier Field against Wisconsin and handled the moment very well, going six of eight and throwing a touchdown pass. Overall, your thoughts on the performance of Drew Pine playing in front of an offensive line that's still trying to figure things out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, the thing that got me, Darren, is I've liked Drew Pine a lot. I think in the modern game, a kid like Drew Pine, he's that ultimate point guard quarterback. He can distribute the ball. He can get rid of it. He's accurate. He makes good decisions and all that. Even though... I'm very high on Drew Pine. I was surprised at how calm and poised he was in the game. And even more so after, you know, you first come in and he makes those couple throws and you're like, okay, you get rolling. Then his next series, he gets drilled in the back, fumbles the ball. Wisconsin goes down. They do jump around in between, you know, the third and fourth quarter. They finish that ensuing drive off in the fourth quarter with a field goal. And you're like, okay, you just blew the lead, right? I mean, you just, they're winning now. And, you know Chris Tyree gets that touchdown, and so what does Drew Pine do the next time he steps foot on the field? He goes four or four for forty nine yards and throws a touchdown pass to basically put the game away. You know that level of calm and poise, and you could just see the team react like, "Hey, we're going to be all right." You know, yes, Jack's down, Jack's our guy, but we're going to be all right. And you can see that the, that he is he has kind of garnered respect and trust from his teammates, even as the backup quarterback. That was so obvious from the moment he stepped on the field on Saturday. And uh, that's what you want your backup quarterback to do. Come in there, run that offense, do what you got to do, and help us get out of there with a W. That's what you want.
1: Monday's Brian Kelly press conference, he was pressured about the offensive line, as he should have. And at one point he mentioned all of the sacks are not on the offensive line, that the quarterback has to be able to get rid of the football quicker and on time. And eventually it got to the point where he mentioned that Drew Pine was getting the ball out on time. And Jack Cohn, that's an area that he's needing to get better at, which caught me off guard a little bit. I have to be honest. I was a little surprised. So for using that line of thinking, Brian and the offensive line is still having trouble in pass protection. Again, it's not all on the offensive line, although Kyron Williams' man was sticking his nose in there doing a great job in pass protection. Mm -hmm. Does Drew Pine give you a better chance to win this Saturday compared to Jack Cohn using what we heard on Monday?
2: If Jack Cohn is not 100%, then yes, he does. Because the reality is, is I don't care who the starting quarterback is. He's not going to be better than Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner at 85 percent health and mobility. Uh, if he does, if if Jack's back to being fine, no, Jack's your best quarterback. And and I don't know why Brian Kelly created a. It's like he creates his own problems when at some of these press conferences with things that he says, like you're so unwilling to say the offensive line played like garbage that you're now going to, you know, throw red meat to people who just can't wait for a quarterback controversy, you know, by saying Jack doesn't get the ball, you know, so, so on the 30 pressures that Jack's had the last two games, you know, four of them, he should have got the ball out quicker. I mean, you know, something like that, you know, it's just to, to say that, I mean, I, I went back and watched all the sacks that he took and, and you go back and watch that first quarter, for example, the two sacks that he took. He got to the top of his drop and two guys were right in his face. Where's he supposed to throw that ball? You you know how how's he supposed to be able to get that ball out? Then you look at the rest of that series where he took them after he took that second sack. He leads them right down the field cuz he's getting the ball out quickly. Well, some of the pass concepts don't have anyone to get the ball out quickly too. You go look at the third down play that in the red zone and and he drops back and you know the pressure doesn't come immediately. It comes about a second later. You go back and watch that from the tight copy. There's nobody open, so he tries to spin out and, you know, gets tripped up by one of the linemen who was sinking into the backfield and, and he falls down, you know. And so well, where, where exactly was he supposed to get rid of the football? And you know, so so okay, Coach Kelly, if 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 Jack's the problem and it's not your offensive line, then why are you so adamant that Jack should still be your starting quarterback? You know, it just it, it just some of the stuff he says, you just want to pound your head on the desk.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Brian Driscoll, publisher of irishbreakdown.com, on Sportsbeat AM on WSBT Radio. Brian, as you know, the Irish reviews four different left tackles so far this year in the midst of the up and down play of the entire offensive line are you finding some positives at the left tackle position with young guys getting opportunities
2: well, I mean that's it that's the positive is right there is that they're getting opportunities the pro you know and the thing that I think that that um is the greatest evidence to me that it, it's it's not a player problem. It's not, oh, you're down to your whatever left tackle. It's that all, every single left tackle they've put in the game this season has had the same exact technical problems. You know, they get beat inside because they don't understand the, the the pass protection schemes. I mean, the the play where, where uh, Tosh Baker, it looked like Tosh Baker gave up a sack on Drew Pine, You know, it was an inside rusher, and he kind of puts his hand in, and then the left guard doesn't see it, and the guy just runs through unblocked. I mean, I have never seen a Power 5 offensive line give up as many free rushers as Notre Dame has given up this year. A free rusher meaning someone who basically isn't blocked than what we've seen this year. I've never seen a, a team give up two corner fires, which means a cornerback blitz, in which your quarterback got hit this early in the season ever in my life. And when those things are happening consistently, it's because the preparation isn't there. It's because they don't know what they're supposed to do. And you can blame the players on that to a degree, but at what point in time does the person making all the money to coach that line get held responsible for the fact that your entire line has regressed? Kane Madden is not as good now as he was at Marshall. And I'm not talking from a you know, execution standpoint, you know, because he's not dominating because he's playing better players. I'm talking about his footwork is worse. His assignment execution is worse. His pass protection is where everything's worse. Josh Lugg is worse than he was when he started a right tackle two years ago in 2019. Jared Patterson's taking a step back. Zeke Carell's taking a step back. And when that's happening across the board, you have to be willing to say, we got to do a better job of coaching and leave it at that. And not then say it's well. It's also Jack's fault and the running back's fault and the receiver's fault. And you know, it's a, hey, look, I'm not doing a, a. We're not doing a good enough job getting these guys ready to play to the standard we expect them to. And then leave it at that. You don't have to say Jeff Quinn's doing a terrible job. Just say hey, look, we're not doing a good enough job getting these kids to prepare to this and play at the standard that is expected of an offensive line, Notre Dame. And because you're not, and everybody knows it, and it's okay to say that, and it doesn't mean that you're throwing your friend of 30 years under the bus. It means you're stating the obvious because that's your job as the head coach of Notre Dame.
1: Brian, what did you like about the defense's performance against Wisconsin?
2: Oh, I mean, it just everything about it was brilliant, Darren. It was the thing that 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 struck me was it was one of the best 11 man performances that I've seen, and what I mean by that is. I wouldn't say there was necessarily one player that just dominated for 60 minutes. You know, and, and Cam Hart made two great plays, but there was a lot of plays he wasn't even on the field because of the different corner packages they had. Jason Adamiola was really good, Isaiah Fosky, Drew White, JD Bertrand, but it just was 11 guys, and it didn't matter who was on the field, 11 guys on the field doing their job and doing it fast. And this is what I wrote about after the Toledo game when there was a lot of hand-wringing about the defense. I said, look, if you actually break this thing down, they're really close. Mm -hmm. They're dominant on a lot of snaps. It's just they make a mistake here, a mistake there. They give up a big play here, a big play there. Well, they didn't give up those big plays a whole lot against Wisconsin. And they were able to dominate against Wisconsin despite the fact they didn't really have a lot of negative plays, which is what's fueled the defensive line. They only had four tackles for loss. In the game. I think Wisconsin only had something like five negative yards the entire game. And they still had held them to 74 yards. Think about this, Darren. Notre Dame rushed for three yards on offense. Mm. The Notre Dame defense held Wisconsin to almost a hundred yards, fewer yards below their season average than Wisconsin held the Notre Dame offense below theirs, despite the fact the Notre Dame offense rushed for three oh. yards. That should give you a little bit of context on just how dominant that performance was.
1: Brian Driscoll, publisher of IrishBreakdown.com, my guest. What are the challenges going up against Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter?
2: You're containing him and not letting him beat you in his legs and his big arm. I think that's the thing is look, Desmond's a talented kid. You know, he's big, he's athletic, he has a big arm. Uh, he's not he's still not a guy to me that handles pressure well when you when that pressure keeps him in the pocket. He'll make mistakes. He'll force balls. When he's dangerous is when he has a clean pocket, which most quarterbacks are dangerous and they have a clean pocket. But it's also when things break down and he's able to, you know, find a running lane to get through. And you know that's been one of the issues with the Notre Dame defense in the last several years, including against Florida State. You know, you had chances to get sacks and you couldn't bring Jordan Travis down. And he gets outside the pocket and he makes plays. So it'll be a chance to see what kind of adjustments they've made since then. But that's always the key. Is you know it's third and nine and and you think you have this defense you know ready to shut him down and against Purdue and Wisconsin it's a no brainer getting off the field but against Cincinnati you know you miss a rush lane or you, you that initial sack attempt doesn't hit and all of a sudden he takes off and runs for 20 yards those are all to me those those play extending drives those are the things that that are most dangerous and then you have to defend that and as he's running around all of a sudden you lose your discipline on the back end and he throws the ball over your head for a big play that to me is the thing that that concerns me the most about him
1: fans always seem to panic when the next opponent has a bye week before they play their team. I get more response to that than anything else. If I'm Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, I think I probably wanted to play last week considering they did not play well against Murray State in the first half, then blew them out, which they should have from the get-go, and then they got off to another slow start against Indiana. Big fourth quarter, they win. To me, I think I would want to be challenged and try to play better football before coming to South Bend. Agree or disagree?
2: Absolutely agree. And, and and I we made the same point last week against Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin didn't exactly look great against Penn State or Eastern Michigan. I think they needed another game to get their quarterback some more experience. And, you know, and I, and I you know, just point to Notre Dame as, as an example of that, Darren. If Notre Dame doesn't have a bye week before they play Wisconsin, Or if Notre Dame had a bye week before Mm -hmm. they played Wisconsin, then all of a sudden they don't have that Purdue game where they were able to work out a lot of their kinks. And then the same example, if they had a bye week the week before playing Cincinnati, they don't get that Wisconsin opportunity to go out there and work out some kinks. So, absolutely agree with you that I, that that going out there and getting that opportunity to play. I do not like bye weeks this early in the season. I don't think bye weeks have the impact that people mm-hmm. make them out to be. Uh, you know, let let's not forget the last time Notre Dame lost a regular season game because I don't count the ACC title as a regular season game was against Michigan and they lost what 45 to 14. They had a bye before that, right? Yeah. The only time they've lost at home to USC under Brian Kelly was in 2011. Correct? Mm-hmm. They had a bye the week before they got blasted by USC. So, you know, buys don't matter as much other than the great thing about buys is if you're if you have injuries, it gives you a chance to heal up. That's the one advantage. But if I'm with you, if Cincinnati needed a chance to work out some kinks last week, because Indiana had a chance to be up on them 20 to nothing if they didn't miss some opportunities early in that game.
1: Brian, what's happening at irisbreakdown.com this week?
2: Well, I'm going to have a midweek musings out later today where I'm going to talk about how the, the Notre Dame offense has been incredibly explosive. Through four games, they have 17 pass plays of 20 or more yards. It did not ta- it, They did not get to 17 pass, pass plays of 20 or more yards last year until the Clemson game. Wow. So if they can just become more efficient, this offense has a chance to really explode because the big plays are there. They just have to clean things up and, and eliminate some of the zeros and the negatives that they're having in the past game. So I'm going to focus a little bit on that.
1: Brian, always enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much. Enjoy the ball game on Saturday, and we'll talk to you next week.
2: Sounds good. Thanks for having me on.
1: Brian Driscoll, publisher of irishbreakdown.com.